Meet your Thunderbolts. The Thunderbolts? Are they the exciting new heroes the world needs? Thunderbolts, strike! Today makes at least half a dozen times the Thunderbolts have done the job we used to depend on the Avengers for. It allowed us to move among you, disguising who we really are. The Masters of Evil! In what is now becoming an old story, the Thunderbolts once again save the city. Enough of this hero talk. You will do as you're told. But... He's right. You may be wearing a Songbird costume, but underneath you're just screaming me. I can expose all of you right now. So you see, you really have no choice. You know what? We're done playing these parts. It's time to live these parts. No one betrays Zemo. Figures, just when we go in on this hero thing, our blood runs out. Avengers, Defenders, Thunderbolts, I make any team better. We're Norman Osborn's A-team, and he's the big man in charge now. This isn't the team I used to lead. You, honey, are under arrest. You have to fight for what's right every single day, bulletproof skin or not. The Thunderbolts have worked hard to change people's minds about us, but apparently we've got a ways to go. Hey guys, welcome to another lightning-erific episode of Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar to Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and I am not alone. I am joined by three, count them, three of my fellow Justice enthusiasts. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike, and Franklin Richards' grammar is still atrocious. Hey, this is classic Justin. No need for 90s muscles. Hey, guys, this is Tony, and it's been raining for 18 months now. So, yeah, we're, we're here to talk about smokestacks and eagles on the forehead and, and all that kind of good stuff. But basically, the, the main impetus of this is, you know, the, the Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar to Lightning show was designed to cover the Thunderbolt series from Marvel, but there are going to be instances where we have to cover something that ties into the Thunderbolts or, or maybe, you know, a Marvel event that basically, you know, brings in some upheaval to the ongoing Thunderbolts book. And rather than try to cram it all in into the back half of an episode, I just figured what we would talk about tonight just on a, a solo show, an individual show, is the event title Heroes Reborn The Return. And this was a four-issue miniseries from Marvel Comics. It has a cover date of December 1997, but in actuality it was weekly released from October 8th, 1997 to October 29th, 1997. So these were coming out weekly just to get everybody up to speed on the current status quo. These were $2.50 apiece. The editor was Bobby Chase. The penciler was Salvador LaRocca. The writer was Peter David. The inkers, Art Tiber, did the first three issues, and Scott Hanna did the fourth issue. The letterer was Richard Starkings, and the colorist was Steve Budicello. I think that's right. So I guess I'm going to read kind of a long-winded synopsis that I kind of cobbled together. I kind of rewrote, you know, I don't know, most of the stuff out there is pretty atrocious. So I, I just kind of put it together. So bear with me. It has been one year since the Onslaught event and our heroes, the Fantastic Four and the Avengers being reborn within Franklin Richards' pocket universe. 
on the Heroes Reborn world, Reed Richards is up early and comments to a groggy Sue that she will be missing out on a beautiful day if she goes back to bed. Meanwhile, back in the Marvel Universe proper, Franklin Richards dreams of Ashima, a celestial given human form. She reveals that Franklin's great powers shunted them into the Heroes Reborn pocket universe, and only he can return them to their proper universe. Awakening in the middle of a rainstorm in the Florida Everglades, the blue ball Franklin carries is gobbled up by an alligator. Subconsciously horrified that the portal to the Heroes Reborn pocket universe has been lost, Franklin's fear attracts the attention of his new protector, guardian of the nexus of all realities, the Man-Thing. Elsewhere in Queens, New York, Peter Parker watches a news report with his Aunt Anna that commemorates the one-year anniversary of the disappearance-slash-death of the Fantastic Four and the Avengers at the hands of Onslaught. The report goes on to talk about the emergence of new heroes, such as the Thunderbolts, ding ding ding, and how they have battled one of the few survivors of the Onslaught event, the Incredible Hulk. The Hulk himself watches this same report from the window of an electronics store. He is racked with pain and begs simply for the pain to stop. Elsewhere at the observatory of Warren Rothschild, the elderly astronomer has been watching an approaching anomaly through his telescope for the last week. As he looks on watching the anomaly come closer and closer, it ultimately crashes through his observatory, leaving him a charred husk. The celestial Ashima has arrived on Earth and leaves the observatory dressed in a trench coat obtained from the locker room. Back in the swamps, Franklin's fear is washed away by anger. Between Franklin's powers and the blue ball transforming into something inedible, the alligator is killed and the portal returns to its creator. Franklin's still not sure why, but understands the ball is of great importance. As Man-Thing and Franklin stare into the ball, they see images of both the proper Marvel Universe Hulk and the Heroes Reborn Hulk, and in between them, Bruce Banner. In the Heroes Reborn Pocketverse, the Hulk is on a rampage and a battle ensues involving both the Thing and the mighty Thor tackling the Green Behemoth. As Franklin looks on through the ball, he is surprised to see his Uncle Ben alive and well. Ashima appears and when Man-Thing comes to Franklin's defense, the fear the creature feels from her very presence causes the Man-Thing to erupt into flames and run away. Meanwhile, in the Heroes Reborn Pocketverse, the Thing gripes about how the Hulk eventually got away from him and Thor over breakfast with the rest of the Fantastic Four. Sue suddenly breaks down into tears, even though she's not quite sure why, other than an ominous feeling that something bad is happening. Back in the Florida Everglades, Franklin yells at Ashima to bring back the Man-Thing, and once Ashima outmatches the boy's yells, she explains to Franklin that she is a celestial in human guise, that like his father's experiments, he and the two universes that he spawned are simply now a petri dish in an experiment that needs to be cleaned. The two then teleport into the pocket universe using Franklin's blue ball. Franklin next appears at the bedside of Reed and Susan in tears. He's been told by Ashima he needs to wipe out a universe, but he's not sure which to choose. Franklin has to make a choice to decide which universe will live and which one will die. Promise you won't be mad at me, he tells his parents, who don't even recognize their own son. The Heroes Reborn Pocketverse Loki 
who still believes himself to be the original Loki trapped in an alternate universe, contacts Doctor Strange in the Marvel Universe proper. Strange explains that the true Loki is alive and up to no good in his universe, but that other than the Hulk, he cannot locate the true nexus point to the alternate universe. Loki warns Strange that matters of cosmic consideration converge upon both worlds. However, Loki's astral image is spirited away by what is revealed to be a gigantic Ashima, who smashes the trickster to death with her fist. Back with the Fantastic Four, Franklin is still looking for an answer to his moral dilemma. Even though the rest of the Fantastic Four don't recognize the boy, Sue remembers him as the little boy she saw in her vision when they traveled into the negative zone. Sue makes Reed promise to do whatever it takes to help the boy. Meanwhile, Peter Parker decides to aid those remaining 616 heroes headed after the Hulk in Manhattan as Spider-Man. In the city, the Hulk, giving off gamma rays and racked with pain, wanders around the city until he is confronted by Doc Samson and a small army. As the Hulk leaps away, he is blasted into Central Park by Mach 1 of the Thunderbolts. Ding, 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 ding! There, the Hulk is confronted by Hercules, Doc Samson, and the entire Thunderbolts team. Ding, 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 ding! As the Hulk of 616 screams, we transition to the Hulk of the alternate universe screaming at the mighty Thor. A sudden earthquake causes the ground to split open and spew magma. Thor is forced to save the civilians caught in the middle of the tidal wave of magma, which allows the Hulk to escape. Doctor Strange tracks down Franklin's blue ball in the Florida Everglades and wonders what would happen if the Hulk were to come into contact with the portal. Elsewhere, Franklin comes upon a wounded bear cub with Ashima and pleads to her to heal the animal. When she gives in and uses her powers to heal the little bear, Franklin hugs her leg in gratitude. As the cub runs off, Ashima atomizes the animal, stating it means nothing and that Franklin must choose between the two universes. Franklin goes all, Don't hurt my dad! on Ashima and uses his mutant powers to strike down Ashima and flee. At the Baxter building, Reed sees three large objects fast approaching Earth through his telescope. As he relays the news to Ben and Sue, her remark that the strange change in weather patterns is like a celestial catastrophe, it finally occurs to Reed that Franklin was attempting to warn them about the Celestials. Reed plans to contact Tony Stark before it's too late. Back on the 616 Earth, the Incredible Hulk is radiating with gamma green energy. His emotional tirade seems to be fueling the abrupt changes in the weather causing Central Park to flood with torrential rains. Spider-Man arrives to talk the Hulk into leaving while Hercules and the Thunderbolts try to avoid drowning. Ding, ding, ding. When Doctor Strange arrives with the Blue Ball Portal, it sucks Spider-Man and the 616 Hulk within, transporting the pair into the Heroes Reborn universe. Franklin continues to run from Ashima, who tells him he must make a choice soon, otherwise the Celestials will make a choice for him and obliterate both universes. Now the 616 Hulk and Spider-Man stand face to face with the Heroes Reborn Hulk, with both Hulks ready to smash. Ashima continues to search for Franklin and finds him at the bottom of a cliff, not moving, barely breathing. At the alternate Baxter building, Reed Richards confers with Iron Man, 
who he reveals he's always known was Tony Stark. They plan to take a core sample from a mile below the Earth's surface into the negative zone to learn the true age of the sample. Reed also wants to include Victor Von Doom and Bruce Banner to reassemble the Atomic Knights. Sue, still concerned for Franklin, asks Reed to help him. Reed notes that the three fireballs he's been tracking will reach the Earth in four days or sooner. Smokestack's Iron Man heads off into the negative zone, bewildered that Bruce Banner and Von Doom may be his allies once again. Spider-Man finds himself caught between a battle of two hulks on the George Washington Bridge. As the two Gamma Goliaths plunge off the bridge headed for the water, they continue their battle submerged underwater. As Spider-Man watches their descent, he is shocked to find the Vision, the Thing, Thor, Captain America, the Human Torch, and Hawkeye still alive. The collection of heroes don't yet understand the nuance of the situation, as the Vision semantically reminds the Thing that, technically, he is not alive. Back in the jungle, her fellow Celestials convince Ashima to bring Franklin back from Death's doorstep. As she heals Franklin, she melds with the young boy's soul and in doing so touches the souls of everyone in the pocket universe that Franklin created. This brings a newfound humanity to Ashima, and she agrees to return Franklin to his family. The two Hulks continue to try to drown one another back in New York until their battle is squashed by a neural dampener and a gamma inhibitor from a giant submerged spaceship. Smokestack's Iron Man returns with the news that the Heroes Reborn universe is only a year old, and just then, Franklin reunites with his mother and father. Across town at the George Washington Bridge, the giant spaceship rises from the water in front of Spider-Man and the Heroes Reborn crew. It is revealed that the owner of the spaceship, who subdued the Warring Hulks, is none other than Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom announces to the group that the 616 Hulk is leaking transdimensional energy, which he has contained for the moment. He gives them his word, he will not flee but instead head to the Baxter building to meet with the closest person on the planet that he could consider his peer. While Manhattan is overrun with looters, Ricky, Bucky Barnes, and the Falcon patrol the streets and take pause when they see the three fireballs heading to the Earth in the sky. The other heroes reunite at the Baxter building, and Franklin tells them he's decided to pick the Heroes Reborn world for obliteration. Ashima confirms they have no choice but to leave the pocket universe in Doom's spaceship. Before they embark on their journey, Spider-Man and Captain America hear screaming from the streets below. When they look out the window, they see a celestial hovering over Earth's orbit, ready to pronounce final judgment on Franklin's blue orb, the pocket universe. Franklin gathers all remaining pocket universe heroes such as Namor, She-Hulk, Black Panther, and the Inhumans to Doom's spacecraft. Bruce Banner, Tony Stark, Reed Richards, and Doctor Doom do the all-for-one, one-for-all salute as the collective Atomic Knights vow to save the world. Falcon and Captain America give their goodbyes to Ricky Barnes. Reed and Thor challenge Ashima, stating that they will not easily give up on the Heroes Reborn universe. Ashima is prepared to destroy them all. Somewhere out in the endless realm of time and space, Doctor Strange has Franklin's toy ball and petitions a powerful force for help. The voice says it will consider his request and merely asks that Doctor Strange leave the globe behind. An enraged Ashima is about to obliterate all the Marvel heroes until she looks into the eyes of Franklin Richards. Ashima decides she will allow the pocket world to live on. 
When Thor doubts her word, she transforms him into Frog Thor in a display of power. The group agrees to the condition that all of the gathered heroes will return to their own universe after the pocket universe is spared. Iron Man spends one last romantic evening with Pepper Potts, telling her he loves her before leaving forever. Franklin and Doom engage in mutual admiration of their awesomeness. Franklin thinks Doom's spaceship is super wicked cool, and Doom finds Franklin's power super wicked awesome for such a young lad. The plan is to cross back into the 616 dimension using the negative zone as the conduit and the shrinking technology used to explore the microverse to fit through the portal. Cap, Thor, and Iron Man have one last look at the pocket universe sunset before boarding the spaceship and departing. Ashima, hovering in space, gives Franklin a smile before the ship enters the negative zone. With the heroes out of sight, Ashima strips away her human form into a being of pure light and flashes off in a powerful blaze. As the ship reaches the boundary area, Doom kidnaps Franklin, intending to use his great powers to stave off the celestial incursion and rule the pocket universe for himself. Luckily, Reed manages to snatch back his son with his elastic powers, and Thor shunts himself and Doom into a rift between realities. If Thor must battle Doom for an eternity to preserve the safety of both universes, then Thor decides it will be an eternity well spent. As the ship breaches the barrier, the heroes remember their past lives, with all their previous memories crashing in all at once. The Doom Arc explodes, but a combination of escape pods and Sue's invisible force field protect all those inside. Bruce Banner and the Hulk are thrown from the blast and are merged back together into one singular being once more. Simply put, the heroes return. Sue and Ashima exchange words as Ashima departs telling Sue that she has been ruined by them and to take care of Franklin. Meanwhile, poor Ricky Barnes is left crying on the pocket earth which has survived the crisis. Additionally, the celestial form of Ashima the Listener is revealed as a dream experiment designed to test Franklin Richards, whom the Celestials felt was on par with themselves. The voice that Doctor Strange left the blue ball in possession of is revealed to be Eternity himself. And that is the not-so-short, probably-not-too-sweet synopsis of Heroes Reborn, The Return, the four-issue miniseries. I have a bunch of notes about this, but I guess I'll turn it over to you guys since I've been blabbing so long. So, did you guys, like, did, did any of you guys read this when it came out? Is this the first time you're reading it? Like, what's what's the deal with that? I did not read this when it first came out. I had a lot of trouble tracking this down. You know, for some, like, event miniseries and tie-ins and stuff, like Age of Apocalypse or... The Clone Saga, like, I didn't really have a whole lot of problem tracking down the tie-ins and the one-shots and all that stuff. Like, I could usually, you know, if nothing else, I could go to my Walden Books, and they usually had, like, most of that stuff there, I guess because it was selling so well at the time. But for some reason, none of the place, none of my usual places had this miniseries, and it was driving me crazy because I was really looking forward to reading this, you know? Like, I, I was not happy about Heroes Reborn. I thought it was a failed experiment, as did most readers, so I was super excited to, to read this and to have our heroes back. I eventually went to my local comic shop thinking, well, duh, you know, they're gonna have it, but they only had, like, issue two, and then I think they picked up, or I think they had issue four, so I, I didn't buy them. I did burn steal them. 
So some stuff kind of made sense to me. But I want to say, like, I read issue four, like, after issue one of Busick's Avengers. Because I I think issue one of Busick's Avengers references, like, Thor fighting Doctor Doom and them getting lost in the, you know, that rift between the worlds and stuff. And I was like, oh, so this is what I've missed out on. And then when I burned stole issue four of this series, I was like, oh, okay, so that makes a bit more sense. So I didn't read all four issues until maybe two years after it came out. I think one of my buddies picked it up somewhere. Like he was on some kind of family trip and he's like, dude, look what I got. So we like all of us kind of gathered around and devoured these comics that day at lunch. Since then, I've read this maybe two more times, maybe three. I don't know. My memory was that I really enjoyed this. Reading it today, I kind of see flaws in it. And I I, I don't think it's all that great like i i like the art but as far as the story goes i'm like uh i i don't know i did have a question for you derek like i know some of the issues on our thunderbolts reading list the thunderbolts only appear much in this in this mini series as like a short cameo do you have incredible hulk 450 on our reading list because the thunderbolts have a cameo in that and that issue kind of kind of sort of leads into this mini series uh did we not discuss that page when when we talked about 449? I don't remember. I, I, I it, My recollection of it is, I think, because th- I think there's only like a page or two. Wasn't that just the Citizen V page, yeah, yeah, basically? Yeah. yeah. I, okay, yeah. maybe I don't, yeah. maybe I'm old and I don't remember. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, that my, rec- my recollection of it was I, I did mention it, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like we plastered Hulk 450 on the 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 title card or whatever but it was like one of those okay. things where we were like oh yeah and and by the way you know they're in it for a page and this is what happens in the page type thing but uh, i remember reading that hulk 450 and like that was kind of a big deal for me because i mean i was reading the hulk at that time because hulk's one of my favorite marvel characters but i was like oh this is important like dr strange knows that our heroes are still alive like they're out there somewhere and then you know, this come along and like Doctor Strange has a role to play in this. I want to fall back on my, you know, nostalgia memories and like giving this a pass, but I don't I don't know that I can. It's just I don't know. I, I just burn stole this like as a kid, I think. Like I, I I wasn't huge into like the Avengers or the Fantastic Four at the time this came out, I think. Like I had I knew of them and I, you know, I had read things and I had read Onslaught and stuff, but I like I was kinda like, Oh yeah, this is a big deal. Like they're finally coming back. So like I think I just kinda burned stole it and like read it. But I, I like I don't recall having strong feelings about it then and I have even less like feelings about it after rereading it this week. By the time this came out, I was pretty much out of a lot of comics. So, yeah, I definitely didn't read this when it came out. I was familiar with like the whole concept of the Heroes Reborn universe and stuff, but I I, I don't know. I just didn't care. I was I was like reading like uh X-Men and all that stuff and I don't know, this 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 just seemed to be a thing in Wizard with like, you know, like you said, Smokestacks, Iron Man, and terribly drawn Captain America and all that. So I read it this, you know, today, actually. And it, it, it technically, as far as, like, competency, it's not bad. 
It tells the story it's telling. And the art, I don't know. I, I actually didn't like the art that much. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But some yeah, of the, look, some I, of the... I, I was I was surprised to see this was Salvatore Laroga because I didn't think like it was like not up to his usual standard. Like because obviously he's evolved over the years as an yeah. artist. But like I just I didn't recognize his like style. Yeah, this this is him pretty green. I think is what I'd say. Like the storytelling is not very strong. The, there's there's a lot of style there, but even that doesn't save the the book. I think you know it's like it's like they were they were kind of this is like you know in the nineties the guys all went off to do image and then they tried to get other artists like Capullo and Kubert Brothers and guys like that that could sort of you know provide a similar energy and style that that some of the you know, big name artists they lost had, but this is even a degree removed from that because this is the image guys returned to Marvel and then they lost them again. And now you've got somebody who's trying to fill those shoes, so to speak, in terms of style, which I think, you know, I think Salvador LaRocca's always had a good style, but this is, I think, pretty early on in his career. So, I mean, I'll, I'll make, like, specific references to certain things as we get deeper into it, but just in general, I, I agree with what you're saying, Mike. Like, it's not, I don't think it's unrecognizable, but I just think it's, like, super or you know it's like it's like he's 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 learning you know what i mean and then the fact that you get to see him learn on this big event book probably magnifies that you know like uh, the, the viewers can't see it but my avatar is that of moonstone from like the scene where the thunderbolts like confront the hulk and she looks like she could be on like superhero squad or something like she's <laughs> yeah like oh everyone's proportions are like wonky like in certain scenes and I feel like this yeah. has two big influences art-wise. I feel like it has a lot of that 90s anime style they were trying to replicate for comics. I also feel like there's a lot of, like, Jim Lee influence, yeah. like, yeah. especially Doctor Doom's spaceship. Like, when that comes out of the water, like, that, to me, like, that feels like something out of, like, Jim Lee's Wildcats or something, just the way it looks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think that might, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes it's funny, I'll talk to artists at cons and they'll say, oh, no, nobody directed me to do that. But I, I always feel like when I see these things, I'm like, somebody had to have said, like, hey, bro, the reason why we hired you is to, like, kind of look like Jim Lee's Fantastic Four. So, you know, get to it, kid, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of what I feel like. I mean, for me, like, I, I was thinking about what Justin was saying. Like, I... I feel like even though I knew about direct market comic shops for a long time when this came out, I mean, this came out when I was going to Loyola Marymount. So I, I, I want to say I wasn't really a Wednesday warrior at that point. I mean, I loved comics. I went and got comics on a regular basis, even though I tried to not do that while I was at college, but I still did it anyway. But I don't think I went every single Wednesday when I would, you know, I had I had shit to do. Like, so like, you know, I, I, I know I didn't go every single Wednesday. And it, this seems like this was almost ahead of its time. Like, this reminds me of like, you know, when I was a Wednesday warrior was when 52 came out. And 52 was specifically designed for dumb fucks like me who went every Wednesday <laughs> and were like excited to, to have uh -huh. a new book every week. And it was something new. And, it, you know, I liked the series, so it was something good to read. And and you it brought you into the store every week and then you bought other shit and, and that it did its job. This, I think, was more of a, 
it, it was more of a weekly comic that was like a fifth week event book. Like where it's like, oh, here's a bunch of books that you don't really need, but buy all these books, please. Like for me, I didn't read any of these when they came out. Like my track record was I was I, 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 wa I want to say I was excited by Heroes Reborn or at least excited enough to try all the books. And I, I'd say I probably stuck with most of them for two to three months and, and maybe in some cases like. Maybe like with the Jim Lee Fantastic Four or something, maybe maybe like five or six months. But I, I did not stick around for the whole year. I, I finally read a lot of those later, either through back issue bins or like reading projects. Like I had never read the complete Captain America Heroes Reborn until right before the first Avengers movie. And not to bury the lead, but man, like, you, you know, what's funny is. I don't mind the Rob Liefeld half of that. Like, it's ironically, like, even though I love the, the guy's work to death, that James Robinson back half of it has to be, like, the worst fucking Captain America story I've ever read <laughs> in my entire life, including, like, Fighting <laughs> Chance and all this other fucking hokum horse shit that I've read over the years. Like, I, I don't like that at all. So, like, I had all those thoughts floating through my head while I'm looking at Captain America in this. And... I completely skipped this. I was, I, I think for me, my track record was, you know, maybe I read, like I said, two to three issues of most of the, the Heroes Reborn stuff, lost interest. And then when I guess the, the whole, you know, Busick Perez Avengers thing, you know, the Heroes Return stuff, the, the Sean Chen Busick Iron Man, like, like when all that stuff started up, that, that's when I started reading those books again. And I, I, I just, probably did what Justin did even to a lesser degree. I didn't burn steal it like Mike. I didn't read this at all. It was just, I saw the little blurb that said, oh yeah, Thor and Doom, you know, went off and fought and everybody's back. And I'm like, okay, good enough. Fuck it. You know? And I just kept going, you know, like I didn't really care about the specifics of this. So as far as how this relates to me, like I didn't read this until it was like a, you know, quarter bin you know whatever it was like way later and i think this is the second time i've read it and just general thoughts i i agree that the art the style's fine i dig salvador la Roca. i know it's not what he would eventually no, grow terrible. no it's yeah. not it's not eventually what he would grow into i mean if you look at his later x-men work and, and and other work that he's done like it he he obviously grew a great deal as an artist since this but this in particular, you know, the storytelling's a bit off. I, I think as far as the writing, like, I, I guess we, you know, I, I think we're, I think we kind of are giving it a pass, but it's like, it's this like semi-competent Peter David writing. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to remember, but see, competence can be genius at some times because think like if this was written by Bendis, he wouldn't have had anybody's voices right. They'd all be saying caca poo poo or some dumb shit and <laughs> and every dialogue balloon would be interchangeable. And even though this is kind of like a paint by numbers thing, like the reason why Peter David was hired to write this was cuz he wrote the DC versus Marvel thing. And they knew. They knew this was a convoluted mess of a 
fucking story. And uh, I guess to use like the, the DC OCD podcast, they cover all the DC events. Like they call, they have certain terminology for different events. But this one, this one they call a fixer. This is a fixer event. It's to, it's the clean up shit, fix it all up. So the toys are all back in the fucking toy box and then other people can, can go play with the fucking toy chest. And that's what this was designed to do. And like Peter David does that. Like, and on top of that, you know, thing sounds like the thing. Doom sounds like doom. You know, Franklin sounds like fucking Franklin. You know, like, like the, it's not like, it's not like Franklin's like caca poo poo, Uncle Ben, you know, or whatever. <laughs> it's not all fucked up, right? So, so, so I will, I will at least go to town for that. Like, as far as the, the, the actual plot like yeah that's kind of hokum and 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 it's a bunch of convoluted nonsense but you know for what it's trying to do it it accomplishes that i mean i guess i i I have like a bunch of specific notes on all the issues but i i don't know if there's anything we want to say generally before we get into like really like detailed notes and maybe specifically you know thoughts about the thunderbolts tie-in and the characters and things it did give me something I wanted back from that Hulk 450. Like, it gave me a battle of the two Hulks. Because, like, you know, whereas you said, like, you kind of, like, petered out with Heroes Reborn. Like, dude, like, I stuck with Avengers and Fantastic Four to the bitter end. Like, when Heroes Reborn was announced, like, I I feel like I was excited because everyone else was excited and because Wizard was telling me to be excited. But then I was like, well, Jim Lee drawing Fantastic Four, like, that'll be great because, you know, I love the Fantastic Four. So I was getting Fantastic Four and Avengers, and I stuck with them. A buddy of mine was a big Iron Man fan, so I just read his Iron Man books. And then I had another friend who was really big into Cap, and wherever he was getting his Cap comics, like, they, like, dried up or something. Like, they just quit carrying it. And so, like, whenever I was out somewhere and I would see an issue of, you know, Heroes Reborn Cap, I would buy it. And I would just give it to him or trade it to him because I I didn't like that Liefeld artwork. And kind of like Derek, like when Robinson took over, I mean, I love Robinson, but like I, I'm with Derek. Like that's that's pretty that's some pretty bad stuff. So I just kind of like gave him those issues. But yeah, Hulk, Incredible Hulk 450 got me psyched. And then seeing Hulk versus Hulk, like I thought that was pretty cool. And I, I always thought it was interesting that you had like two Hulks. Like you had kind of like the mindless aimless hulk in the main you know 616 that peter david was writing but you also had like bruce hulk in heroes are born in iron man like he like he was a big part of that book yeah like i like as a big hulk thor fanboy back in the day like those were the two characters i was kind of paying attention to and then like you know thor and doom fighting like through the crack in the universe i was like oh that's kind of cool like you know you would think like Doctor Doom fighting Thor would not be, you know, much of a fight, but well, it's like okay, well, it's Doctor Doom. Like he's, you know, he's probably got some kind of plan and some kind of like gizmo or something that can like make him like stand up to Thor for ten minutes or something, you know. But I kind of, I think I kind of give that issue where you've got two Hulks fighting a pass, and then some of the stuff surrounding it. Like I'm not. You know, I'm not going to give some of that stuff a pass. That, that's interesting because my my reaction to it is a little different. But I mean, I'm probably biased, but like I was expecting more from a fight between two Hulks, I think. Like, like 
I I was kind of thinking, oh man, this should be like super epic, and instead I I felt like just if you look at the plot of it, maybe because I'm examining it and trying to write a synopsis or whatever, I'm like, okay, so they butt heads, they fall into the ocean, and then Doom stops them from fighting. Like, I mean, that's that's kind of what I saw. Like, so I I don't know that I felt like I got the epic fight that that maybe someone was promised you know like so mm-hmm. and uh, but but then again like like it's weird i feel like you know again like i'll, I'll be the the number one fanboy for superman you know regardless of of you know content sometimes and kind of go oh this fight's awesome or that fight's awesome and a lot of people will point and go he's so powerful it's so boring and and i you know kind of usually poo poo that criticism but then i i feel a little hypocritical because i kind of feel like okay so there are these two big guys that can't hurt each other that are punching each other and then they fall into the the water under the george washington bridge and i i don't know why i just i just expected more you know i i think like the only thing that like uh you know didn't piss me off or anything but like as a first you know first time reader you know uh, really takes a while for the ball to get rolling. Like the first two issues are just like really setting up everything, like meticulously. You know, it's like you know you have Franklin and Ashima Gazunheit. They're just oh talking so much. Damn. Well, I mean that yeah, that's why this is this is a fixer. Like they they they've got to and and you know what's weird? It's like to be crude, it's like they have to take it from both ends. You know what I mean? Like this is a fixer from both <laughs> ends. Like it's not just like a fixer where they're cleaning up the universe and they get to start a new universe. It's like no, they're they're filling you in. Like there's no less than four. There's you know those 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 explanatory like exposition pages that they did in this era in the late nineties. There's mm-hmm. four fucking pages worth of backstory and text. They, they have to get you up to speed on fucking onslaught. They have to get you up to speed on heroes reborn. And then they have to get you up to speed on all the fucking shenanigans going on in the current Marvel universe. So it's like, they're doing it from the front and they're taking it from behind. Like, so, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, yes, there's tons of exposition in 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 this in this book and like some of it you'd think could be waved away by like the art in some sense like because you know uh, to, to try and get this back to thunderbolts just a little bit like that that main splash page in the first issue right like franklin's having a dream and he's he's like you know the 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 rains and the flood and all this other stuff but you see the city of new york and you can tell it's the 616 version of new york because when you see the baxter building you see four freedoms plaza it's got the t-bolts logo on it so like that's something where visually you didn't necessarily need to say hey you're in 616 land or whatever you know like like it's right there on the page whereas you know some of the storytelling later on you're like oh holy jesus did he ever need caption boxes to explain what the fuck's going on with falcon and fucking bucky holy shit like that was like the worst <laughs> fucking panel in the entire book but anyway yeah i have a question for you derek you you may not know this but what is the actual reason heroes reborn ended is it because of the bad fan reaction or is it because those contracts for the image guys were only a year and they didn't renew them. I, I always took it as it was because the contracts were for a year i just thought okay. i just figured they just didn't renew the contracts like but i i don't know like like i mean the to me it seems like they that was a model they used later with like 
Quesada and those guys, you know, like to do the Marvel Knights imprint. So it's mm-hmm. not like they mm-hmm. abandoned that concept. But I mean, it, maybe maybe it was a thing of what you know that the contracts they had set up were agreeable to Marvel and that gang at the time but then it didn't you know the other thing too that's interesting is like you you say it ended after a year but you know like to me it's kind of like what like you know it's you know it's like that standard Liefeld track record right like he did what like four or five issues of what yeah both of them before it crapped out and then somebody else had to do the art Mm -hmm. and even I mean you know even Jim Lee right he did not do I mean the, the you could make the argument the contracts did not get renewed because they didn't get what they paid for, right? Like, I mean, if you thought you were going to get Liefeld and Lee for a whole year and then you only got them for four months of the 12 months, right, would you renew your contract? Like, I don't know. I probably wouldn't, you know? Like, I... I, but I, you know, for me, it's all speculation. I don't, I don't know, dick about it for real. But I mean, that's that's my take on it. Was I, I always thought it was they just didn't renew the contract. And you know, if you look at the work, the actual work, right? Like by the time it was finished, Lee and Liefeld were not really producing those books, right? It was it was their studios, I guess, but not not them, you know. Well, I I also would kind of posit that like. Maybe the reason it also ended was even at this time, even with this mega event, like this was still kind of a point where the Avengers, Iron Man, Cap, Fantastic Four still were just not really big sellers like before this. And I'm thinking like, you know, the contracts were ending or they were going off their books. And Marvel was also like, you know, I don't think these books will stay afloat without the X-Men, you know, or without Spidey. I mean, Spidey shows up in this damn series to, you know, jump in for a minute. So I was thinking maybe also that, too. They were like, you know, we have this separate universe where it's just these these four books. But would they stay afloat without, you know, the, the guest starring of Wolverine or being a part of the 616? So, you know, without those big name creators, I think that might have actually been a reason, too, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, the the... The creators were the attraction to that, yeah. You were right, Tony, though. Like, I thought this was, like, super slow, too. Like, and, like I like I had not read this since, like, I read it, like, you know, in my teens or whatever, like, back in 1997. And, like, uh, all I remember from it was, like, I remember the Hulks fighting, but then I remember I was like, oh, yeah, and then they all go on, like, Doom's ship, and there's, like, a fight on the ship or something, and they're on, like, the ship. And that, like, only happens in the last issue. I'm like, man, what the fuck else happens, like, in this mini? Like, I I, I was reading, and I was like, when did they get on the ship? Like, uh, I, I thought, it like, uh, that's the only thing I could remember from this miniseries. When's that going to happen? But no, they kind of, like, <laughs> dick around for, like, three issues. Mike's like, when do we get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> <laughs> when do we get to the Doomstod ship? They They have <laughs> what I consider the unforgivable sin of making a long established character like man thing piss himself or set himself on fire because ashima shows up and i was just like oh that, spare me that made me grumpy yeah that made it's me just really like grumpy. come on like to, to give her cred you have to and it's like i suppose because she's a celestial like you're supposed to be like oh well it's a celestial like everybody's got to piss their pants for celestials but i i also thought it was a weird concept like it's like she's a girl in a trench coat and then like when she's a 
when she's a giant girl in a trench coat. I'm just like, oh, this is fucking stupid, you know? Like, are you serious? A giant girl in a trench coat, like, smashing, like, I was like, what? Like, I, you know, that, that kind of stuff I thought was, like, super goofy. I mean, no, well, Justin did say this was 90s as fuck, and that's pretty 90s as fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. She went to the Beyonder school of, like, hey, I'll wear current style and be, like, a cosmic entity. <laughs> if the current style is to go around flashing people in a trench coat, like, that's the current <laughs> style? Like, what? I don't I don't even get it. Like, you know, you'd think after she merged with Franklin's soul and all the souls of fucking the people on uh, Heroes Reborn World, she'd be like, holy shit, I'm fucking naked, and I just have a trench coat on. Maybe I should get some fucking clothes. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, the... The Thunderbolts, I mean, like Justin mentioned, on issue one, page 14, is like the main Thunderbolts reference, right? They're watching like the news report and they detail the fight with the Hulk and all that kind of stuff. So, and then, you know, I, I guess like the, the other thing I was wondering is by the time you get to issue two, right? Like Spider-Man's off to help everybody in Central Park and you've got, you know, Doc Samson and Hercules, but you've also got the Thunderbolts like there to fight the the current the 616 hulk and i i was thinking like you know i'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this but do you feel the need to rationalize like thunderbolts like early episode weirdness in this issue at all or do you just kind of chalk it up to they're just a bunch of rando quote-unquote heroes in the background and i don't really care about it too much because like when when i'm sitting there i'm like would zemo hang back like and just kind of see how this plays out. Does Zemo have a plan? Like, what if they all drowned here? Then what happens to his master plan? Like, <laughs> like, like, what if the Hulk just drowned them? Like, so part of me is thinking, like, why, why doesn't Zemo be like, fuck this shit, we must leave! You know, like, 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 why, why are they there? Like, activate the anti-Hulk drowning plan? Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, you would think Zemo would find a way for them to get out of this, like you know, or, or at least you know what I find interesting is in in the the picture you mentioned, you know, the the superhero squad meteorite picture. Like, I mean, it almost looks like meteorites the leader. Like, she's at the forefront. She's like right up, like right next to Hercules in one of the you know splash pages or whatever. Like, so I'm kind of like. You know, I don't know, like, that. that's why I was thinking about it. I'm like, is that, I mean, I, I would I would chalk it up to just early installment weirdness or something, but, like, you know, the, I, I don't know quite how to take that, you know? So, there there's that aspect. I mean, I guess, I, I don't know if this will be of interest or if this is something that, that Justin would want to talk about, but, like, the costume that Doctor Strange is wearing is from the Warren Ellis run of Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme. So I, I found that interesting. And then also I was just looking into it, and, and I was like, did was that book still an ongoing concern when this came out? And it wasn't. Like, Doctor Strange had no book at this time. So maybe that would have been, you know, like if you were a Doctor Strange fan and you were sad that he didn't have a book, you know, you, you may be interested in... in picking this up right yeah i mean uh, as a doctor strange fan there are definitely vast periods of time where whatever you can get you take it like it's like oh he's in hulk this month well i'm gonna get hulk i mean i was buying hulk anyway but that was a an added bonus but if he was in say you know peter parker spider-man for a two-issue arc and they were i don't know 
fighting some goober or whatever, like that would be an added bonus or, you know, you, you just took whatever you can get as for that costume. I don't know. Like even back in the day, I wasn't crazy about it. It just seemed like something from like, like if they were going to make a doctor strange TV show, like in the nineties, I always figured they would give him something like that as opposed to his classic mm. look because, because that look would probably be easier for a, you know, a nineties TV show. Like that's, and I just never liked that look. It's too much of like a, it, it feels more like he's like a, a, a hippie living in the village reading yeah. poems or something. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't know. It's I, just... I, I kind of, I mean, I, I still kind of like it, but, but to me, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's like Doctor Strange wearing a bathrobe. You know, the cloak of, of, of levitation is just his bathrobe. Like he's coming <laughs> out of the shower and he's just kind of like, hey, I've been in quarantine. Like I'm Doctor Strange. What's up? Like that kind of thing. I mean, but. If they made a Marvel Legends of it, I would probably buy it just, you know, just because it's like a, you know, like it would be like having like the 70s Dazzler with the roller skates, yeah, you know, it'd be yeah, like, oh, that's yeah. kind of neat. But like as like as a Doctor Strange fan and like his and his costume choices, I'm like, that was kind of a stinker PU. <laughs> were you were you reading Journey into Mystery before all this went down? Like in terms of like Loki being like the the lead in that and them referring to Loki still causing mischief in the. 616 i was reading it whenever i could pick it up like that was one of those books where sometimes i don't know i guess people were buying it before i could get to it sometimes like sometimes i could get it at Walden books sometimes i'd have to pick it up at like a convention in knoxville or something i i don't think i read all of those issues dealing with the norse gods and then didn't like it, it eventually didn't that book shift over to like shang chi and some other characters it, it or was shang chi and then i th i want to say it was werewolf by night i like, i don't think i ever read any of those yeah. but i do remember reading some of the asgardian stuff because i remember that was like the, what didn't you start following like red norville like that that was part of that that uh... book and then and then i know i know loki was like a main character so i can't remember yeah so I mean I, I just figured that's a reference to to, yeah. to those comics and stuff. So if, if people are wondering, and then you know like for me the the second issue I guess at least you know for me like I I haven't really exalted his praises too much, but you could probably tell from from my synopsis that I adore and love Franklin Richards and Franklin Richards is <laughs> the man. Like I love I love Franklin Richards. So I I dug when he pulls a Gohan and knocks Ashima on her ass, especially because she's some 90s self-important like big bad that thinks she's the bestest or whatever so i i dig that i dig that franklin fixed all this stupid bullshit and got rid of freaking you know everything insect wasp and all this <laughs> nonsense you know so and yeah he cleaned up the whole like team tony tony yeah. the murderer yes. and all yes. that shit yes yes so so franklin's the man i love franklin and he fixed he fixed hawkeye's herring he did he did Oh yeah, I, I, I will say when we were like talking about the art, Franklin looks pretty good in this throughout the whole thing, and also like Salvatore just nails that like the the crouched legs pulled up like pensive pouty like <laughs> pose. That's like a that's like I don't know I, I I when you see that like image of Franklin, that's like kind of like one of those almost iconic images of like. The child with too much power, you know, like, you know, he's, yeah, yeah. he's about to let shit go. <laughs> like, I kind of feel like Franklin should look at her and be like, you're a bad man. You're sad. <laughs> you, 
You know, you know what I was wondering because we're we're looking at minutia of stuff in issue two, on page sixteen, Franklin is hanging out with Ashima, and it looks like they're by some kind of like I don't know river or waterfall in the jungle, and, and all the animals. They got yeah. all the animals, and I was just kind of like, so, uh, and it it in the caption it says they're in the place with no rain, and I was just kind of like antarctica like where where are they like what like i i don't know what that means and then and then when i looked at the marvel wiki it said they were in africa but i'm kind of like dude there ain't no bears in africa <laughs> like what like, <laughs> like what like so i i don't know like i have no idea where they are i guess i don't really care but i was just kind of like what what do you guys have any guesses or do, am i dumb like is there some other reference to place with no rain like what i don't know what that means i don't know either man well you did say antarctica maybe the savage land oh hmm i don't know hey. then yeah, yeah, that's a good call, Tony. Like, but then wouldn't they just put the fucking Savage Land, and wouldn't there have been like Dinosaurs. little Velociraptors, like a little baby Velociraptor shows up, know. and Franklin's like, "Don't I... kill the Velociraptor." Like, <laughs> You're bad. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you, Velociraptor. You know what? Um, I, I, I don't know. It, you know, you guys know me. I don't like stuff where animals get hurt, e- even fiction. It always bothers me. I don't like all the weird like animals getting hurt in this like at mm. first it's like a what a rabbit and then that like bear alligator. <laughs> the like, alligator I, gets screwed too yeah. yeah the alligator like i don't i don't know man it's like stephen king would always do stuff like that in his books and, and it, it always bugged me um I, I was just like dude peter david why are you doing this this is so weird and off-putting and out of place in one of your comics like i don't i don't get this and i don't like are it they, are they trying to establish like Human beings are to animals like celestials are to humans. I guess, but I mean, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I guess if you're uncomfortable by that, you should be, and mm-hmm. and you should also be uncomfortable because that's how the celestials view humanity as a collective whole. Like I don't know. <laughs> They're trying to establish that Ashima Gazunite is a dick. Yes, so yeah, pretty I, much. I, name, I think it's like a sneeze, like Ashima Gazunite. <laughs> moving on i guess to uh issue three like i i all i could think of in issue three is your video about i must flee because like he's got that line where he's like in the event that you anticipate an attempt at fleeing on my part you know i will not flee you have the word of dr doom you know and i was just thinking like i must flee i must flee (laughs) well I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. Like, 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 third issue is like where things are supposed to start ramping up, but you know, like I said, I guess me and Mike are kind of secret brothers. It's like even with a Hulk fight, they're still not really ramping up. <laughs> well, and then that's that's what I was talking about earlier. That that panel, like when when Ricky Barnes and Falcon like have that moment, like I I think that's like the worst panel page like in the whole book, like because it's like. They're supposed to be like the the caption says they're supposed to be looking at the sky at like the three fireballs, which are celestials that are headed toward the planet. But I'm just kind of like, I was like, what? What? It's just two faces, and it's like their eyes are a little bit like looking up. Like I, I don't know. Like there had to be a better way to do that. 
They're like, that a Shiba girl ain't got no clothes on. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, I yeah, I don't know. It just seems seems more like, oh my god, they ran out of Snickers. It's a, a quick stop across the street. Like, it doesn't seem like it's that big a deal. You know? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem like they're looking at what they're supposed to be looking at. You know, like I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's just look. It, it, it's kind of like what we were saying before. Like that panel is a prime example of he's green. It's got some poor storytelling there, and the dialogue is kind of trying to make up for for that poor storytelling. I think is all. And then I guess in that third issue, like the only other thing a note that happens is like somehow Doom got the long-haired Hulk to turn back into Banner. You know, because then he's Banner for like the rest of the story or whatever. Yeah. And and I guess of note, like these third and fourth issues where it quote unquote ramps up, I mean, the Thunderbolts are now gone. They did not get drowned. You know, they they are, do not play much of a role in the climax or conclusion of the story, but the climax and conclusion of this story drastically will change the subsequent issues we're about to discuss on the podcast so you know that's kind of why we're we're looking into this in detail we kind of next time we kind of have to go back in time a little though i think don't we like we have to do that heroes for hire issue yeah we, we need to do the heroes for hire i think i think this is all i don't know like i i tried to time it out so it makes sense because there's a reference to this miniseries in those issues so like i kind of remember like black knight being all weepy about crystal being like dead or whatever in that Mm. issue so like i like i don't know i don't think it hangs together all too well but we're trying to do the best we can yeah Yeah. i think it's interesting that like these some of these events like to mine this one and later on civil war like they both have these huge like ramifications for the Thunderbolts in their ongoing series or their place in the Marvel Universe. But the the big, you know, ramification is in the story, but they don't really play a big part in the actual story. <laughs> nope. Yeah. They just yeah. kind of show up and... Yep. We're here. We exist. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it took me like, I don't know, a good 30 minutes to figure out who the dumbass on the splash page of page four was. And I was like, Oh, that's Ant-Man. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause he's got that weird Briorios armor and then it's colored purple in this. And like, I think it does really look that awful, the armor, but like, I don't think it's normally colored purple. So I I had that. I was like, he was completely, I, I was like, who the fuck is that? I kept looking looking and I was like, who is that? And I was like, (laughs) If I remember, like, in that Avengers book, it was supposed to be kind of like a reddish-brown or something, maybe. Yeah, it's like it's like it was some kind of, like, like almost... Maybe bronze-ish looking? Yeah, bronze-looking armor or something, yeah. But yeah, here it's purple, and it, like, totally confused me. I guess, the, 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 you know, again, like you said, there's, a, there's the climactic stuff in this, which I think is fine, like, but I guess my only notes are, like, sort of nitpicky things that I figured would be good points of discussion, but, like, I'm like, dude, Spider-Man's married, right? Like, why is he making jokes about, like, I get that the joke is, like, She-Hulk, is in this alternate reality, so she doesn't have all her memories back, and Spider-Man's like, hey, remember, we were lovers in that alternate, you know, before you left, or whatever, because She-Hulk's hot, but I'm like, 
but you're married. Like, what are you doing, bro? Like, what? Like, I don't understand. He's also, he's also like, some point, he's like, it's times like this, I wish I was the clone or whatever. And I, like, <laughs> I, during that time, like, I feel like they, they kept, like, poking at the clone saga because mm. it had just ended. So like I don't know like I think there are like three or four like w- jokes like that in a in a short amount of time where it's like you know like hey it could be a clone no that's too far fetched like <laughs> and like what do you guys think of the whole idea like is it weird that like the Inhumans and Namor and Black Panther and She Hulk are all going back with them like we're I don't think all those characters were at onslaught like like the uh, humans weren't were they namor was okay because i remember I thinking it was weird good. because like okay you know they all go into like the energy thing or whatever so they i think they said like scarlet witch's hex protected her because mutants couldn't go in like that was the big oh, thing okay okay so they're like okay scarlet Aside. witch scarlet witch's magic protected her but then i i was always like well how did namor get in there like namor is a mutant so like how did namor get in there aside from crystal i know none of the other inhumans were in that battle like against onslaught so that's kind of weird and she hulk like i don't remember like it's been a long time since i read onslaught marvel universe yeah i i just feel like there were characters that were in there that i don't remember being at the 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 main onslaught battle so they're, they're they're there just because they're Fantastic Four or Avengers characters. Well, but but see, like that. I mean, if you wanted to get all like, if you if you want to sit down and get nitpicky and nerdy, right? Like the whole crux of the plot is the characters that are in Heroes Reborn are really teleported by Franklin from the six one six at the climax of the onslaught battle so they don't die but then if they were not there shouldn't they just stay on the alternate earth like in other words like that's why like pepper doesn't come back with tony like and pepper wasn't at the fucking battle so she shouldn't come back with tony so if you like if you're getting all nerd nitpicky right like if I don't remember all the characters, but like I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like we said, Crystal was there, but all the other Black Bolt and 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 Medusa and and you know Triton and all those guys, like they they were not there, right? Like so, you know, so yeah, if, Arnak, if, it's all the, if it's all the Avengers and stuff, then why is Herc still on Earth? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah but but Hercules survived. Like Hercules was not that. That's the whole point. Hercules was not in that battle. So there's no reason for, and Hercules was not in the Heroes Reborn comics either. So there's no, there's no, there's, there's no weirdness there, like, right, discrepancy, right? But, but, like, I'm trying to remember, like, if, if Black Panther was in the Onslaught battle, and then he's in, like, Heroes Reborn, then it makes sense that he has to come back. But if Black Panther wasn't in the Onslaught battle, then that Black Panther should stay in that universe and our Black Panther should stay in his, you know what I mean? Like, like I, I don't remember all the details, but like Justin at least refreshed my memory and said, yes, Namor was in the final battle. So Namor makes sense, right? Namor was in the battle with Onslaught, he, even though it doesn't make sense because he's a mutant and he shouldn't have been in the final battle, but he was in the final battle. So he got parted <laughs> over to the, the Heroes Reborn universe. And now that they're all 
like basically evacuating the Heroes Reborn universe, like he's coming back to the 616. So th- th- there's a certain semblance of logic there, whereas Black Bolt was not in the final battle, so he shouldn't be coming back. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, like, when I said, like, Fantastic Four and Avengers characters, I mean, like, not in a story sense that makes sense, but just, like, I don't know, when Peter David was writing it, maybe he was like, yeah, those guys are in those books, let's have them show up. (laughs) Yeah, who was there? I don't know, Larry. Like, here's a list of characters. Pick them. Like, (laughs) Like, you know, why didn't, like, you know, surprise you didn't throw, like, fucking Herbie in there or whatever, you know? Heroes reborn reborn Herbie. Get in there. (laughs) I'm trying to think, but I think the only thing I, I read... As far as the alternate Earth after this was like, there was that series of one shots, and I think I got like the Doomsday book in like a ten cent bin, and doesn't like Doom Doom has like his own mini series on on that Earth, like a three issue mini series where he basically Doom, like Doom actually rules is it, ruler, right? yeah, he's yeah. ruler of Counter Earth for a yeah. little while because there's Cause, a there's a two parter Thunderbolt story in the fifties where. Ricky makes it back to our or our Earth with her young allies and like the the Thunderbolts like fight them. Yeah, because I remember like Doom Doom survives the fight with Thor and then he's like on the alternate Earth and he like I don't know fights a tiger or some shit and he's running around like you know with uh, his wits and all that kind of stuff. But I think by the end of that, like he's in charge of the the. Heroes Reborn, what the husk of the universe or the Earth that's left behind. But it, it becomes very sort of semi-dystopian almost after this. Yeah, yep. Because then the Thunderbolts get stranded on Counter-Earth for mm. like a span of issues too in the later, okay. you know. And then there's that dude, uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name. You know, remember the cowboy dude who wears the smokestack? like iron man armor like and oh, then he has Rebel? like a yeah like he, he shows up for a while like in mm-hmm. thunderbolts and like yeah the counter earth becomes like a yeah like a dystopian like wasteland i was gonna ask like i don't know if anybody knows this i don't but with like you know them resetting everything you know pushing the magic button like were like the Avengers and the Fantastic Four and all these like you know these four main character books returning to the six one six? Was it like any kind of shot in the arm? Did their sales go up? Was there like renewed interest, or was it like yeah they're back? <laughs> I know I was like that was the first time I started like regularly reading like like Avengers and Iron Man like I. Oh, like cool. uh, this, this miniseries didn't like really blip so much on my radar. Like I, I just, you know, I, I burned, stole it and read it. And I was like, oh yeah. And then like, you know, wizard started their hype machine of like, you know, all new number ones, like Iron Man, Avengers, Fantastic Four. And then like Thor came later and like me, me and my friends were kind of excited for it. And I was kind of like, look, I'm going to buy Avengers and Iron Man. And like, you go, I'll let you guys read them. And my other friend was like, well, I'll, I'll buy Fantastic Four and like Captain America and Thor. And like you got, and then we'll like all swap and stuff. I mean, I can't speak to numbers, like, because I, I think right. technically like, like the Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld books probably sold way better than either the cap and, you know, what, wh- whatever books they took over that came before it and, and, potentially even the books that followed it but as far as being something that i enjoyed following and found like satisfying to read like like i I was always kind of of the opinion like i 
I loved the Mark Wade, Ron Garney, Captain America before Liefeld came on. So I was kind of pissed that they interrupted it. And then, and then it was also kind of a double disappointment because then they brought those guys back to Captain America, but it wasn't, it's like, it wasn't quite the same, you know, they interrupted the flow and it just wasn't as good, you know? So it's like, I was happy that they were giving them a second shot, but you know, that there are good issues in it, you know, like the issue where cap shield sinks is a particularly Mm -hmm. good one, but like the, some of the other issues, the whole scroll, like, you know, I mean, it's fine, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't as good as the, the previous run. And, and, and that was something, I guess, maybe I help, even though maybe, you know, Rob Liefeld's sales on Captain America were astronomical, I think I always held that against that Heroes Reborn arc, because I was like, oh man, I was fucking enjoying that, and then you interrupted it type thing, you know, <laughs> which is kind of, it, it was probably petty, but, you know, that, that, I think that was my attitude at the time. I think, I think conversely, I probably was like, I, I mean, I liked the Adato stuff on the Avengers, but man, I hated like the way all those motherfuckers looked. So like, I can't say I was happy about how they looked in the Liefeld book, but by the time it got back to Busick and Perez doing Avengers, like with the exception of treating D-Man like a homeless bum, I was pretty much, oh good, this is all fairly classic and you know, not unrecognizable to me. You know, it's not like I look at a page and can't tell who Ant-Man is. You know, it was like, it was a, you know, that, that was something where that Busick Perez Avengers run was, was something I, I was looking forward to. And, and I, I, I followed the, the Sean Chen Busick Iron Man for quite a bit too. And I was not at that point, a particularly huge Iron Man guy, so I mean, I, I let me put it this way: I stuck with the Busick, Sean Chen Iron Man longer than I did with the Heroes Reborn Smokestack Iron Man. Like for me, I mean, pre Heroes Reborn, like I was already reading all of those books, and when it comes to Cap, like I'm Secret Brothers with Derek because I thought that, like that book was a stinker before Mark Way took over mm-hmm. i mean to be perfectly honest like it yeah. just ran out of steam and yeah anyway anyway i mean avengers yeah like you had some really crappy costume designs but i feel like it was finally starting to turn around because they had like an a a team back you know like you had like all, you had like all your heavy hitters you know i mean i like the whole like hercules swordsman crystal era but you finally had like you know, Cap Thor, Iron Man, all those guys were back on the team. But um, when they announced Heroes Return, like, I was super excited. I was like, oh, man, you mean, like, Kurt Busiek is going to write Iron Man and Avengers? And George Perez is going to draw Avengers? Like, that sounds great. You mean, like, Mark Wade and Ron Garney are going to come back to Cap? Like, yes, sign me up. Like, Scott Lodell is going to write Fantastic Four? Okay, like that sounds great too. Like I want to read that. Like I was super excited. You know, Wizard was definitely riding the hype train, trying to get everyone super into it. All of my friends at school, like we were all like, you know, really looking forward to it. And that Fantastic Four book, like that was something that I had to like hunt down. Like I had a lot of problems getting those issues, and I think eventually, aside from comic book stores, like all my like newsstands and Walden Books, like for some reason they just dropped fantastic four shortly after heroes return like all those other books like i think 
I think I followed Iron Man up to like 13 or 14. And then, you know, I've, I've still got all my like Busick Perez Avengers issues. And yeah. That, that Fantastic Four book kind of sucked though. Cause like it's... Scott Lobdell like quit after like three issues or was removed. And then like Chris Claremont came on and then he had to bring in freaking Gate Crasher and all his like stupid, you know, ideas. Yeah. That, you know, everyone. <laughs> it, it was, it was like the Excalibur light type thing or something. Yeah, I mean, I love Fantastic Four. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm a big Fantastic Four guy. That's not, you know, like if I had to write like a top ten like Fantastic Four eras or something like that wouldn't be anywhere on that list. Uh, I think there's some good stuff in there, but maybe you'd have to dig for it. <laughs> well, I, I know there's probably still some listeners. Like I know most of the people who listen to this show are around our age or they have familiarity with like the history of comics, but like, I, I'm sure there's still like one or two people who are like, wait, Iron Man wasn't popular. You know, Captain America wasn't America's ass. And it's like during the nineties, they were really struggling to like, keep like, I guess what you would call the Avengers verse, you know, afloat, you know, it's kind of crazy. Like, well, just, just think about Iron Man before all of this, like this was the whole, like Tony became a murderer and now we've got teen Tony. Like that's what was going on in Iron Man before all this, because I was reading it and I was like, I, I, I don't know where this is going, I, but I don't like it. Like <laughs> this is a generalization, but there's truth to it is, you know, the, the popular 90s versions of those characters all got their own titles, and it's commonly said, like, Thunderstrike and War Machine were outselling Iron Man and Thor. Like, that's that's why Heroes Reborn happened, you know? Like, the, the when, when, when the core Avenger guys that are super-duper popular today, as, as Tony mentions, because of the films and all that stuff, like, they, they were not, like, the top-tier sellers, and they, they were trying to find ways to make that happen. I, like, I remember Tom reading stuff from Tom DeFalco where he was like, oh, yeah, and then the brilliant, like, higher-ups, like, decided to cancel, like, their high-selling, like, Thunderstrike and War Machine books because their logic was, well, if we cancel those, like, the sales on Thor and Iron Man will go up somehow. <laughs> like, <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just crazy to, like, think about it. It's like, that they actually went to the extreme of rehiring guys that they were, like, pissed at, you know? <laughs> they were, like, like... Damn you, Rob Liefeld. Damn you, Jim Lee. Okay, if we give you money, will you make our, like, you know, low-selling books popular? <laughs> they, they literally went to Extreme. They did. They, they Extreme did. Studios, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I will, uh, but to go back to Thunderbolts, though, like, continuity-wise, like, we're in the early run of Thunderbolts, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean the reason the reason why we need to cover this is because we're a few issues away from you know the, the the world realizing that the avengers and fantastic four are back so you know that's an important beat that shifts the direction and tone of the book yeah i mean the, the thunderbolts are just barely in this but like derek said like this is going to have a huge impact on that book i mean the entire premise of the the, mm -hmm. the title to start with was that these heroes were gone and 
they needed new heroes to step up and fill the gap. And now that gap is no longer a gap, you know? The Fantastic Four got to go up to, you know, the Thunderbolts and go, you know, can we have four Freedoms Plaza back? And Zemo can be like, no, Baxies! <laughs> Nine! Find us, keepers! You have to talk to our leader, Moonstone! <laughs> Don't cough! <laughs> Don't cough! Yeah. God Nemo, the Fantastic Four are back! Hey, let, let, let's give, like, one good thing, though, to the, the Thunderbolts portrayal here. At least, like, I guess it's Mach 5 at this point. At least Mach 5 gets to shoot Hulk with a missile, and he actually hits him. So, good job. Good job. It's Hulk. only Mach 1. Mach 1 at this point? Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, he's uh, he's the only one who gets a line, I think. Oh, no, no. Uh, Moonstone and Atlas say something in that fight scene. But yeah, Hercules, I like how Herc- Hercules, Hercules is like... going to talk to the real Atlas. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to talk to the real Atlas, Goliath. I mean, I mean, Atlas. You're totally Atlas. Yeah, Atlas will be like, I'll beat you into a coma again, you asshole. <laughs> this is smuggler. Um. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, I mean, this is nice to revisit, but like I said, I, I, I had not read this since I was a kid, and now I read it, and I was kind of like, I was like, oh man, all my childhood memories were wrong. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Like I, I like I don't remember having like two like you know a, a super like huge opinion of this before, but now I'm like, oh man, this is like '90s as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, my my memories of this were somewhat clouded just because of my frustrations of trying to hunt it down. I'm like, what? Why can't I find this book? Why doesn't anyone carry it? This is super irritating. I, I guess the one thing I would say, since I never read it at all until now, like not to be all grouchy and grumpy and bah humbug this kind of solidifies why i wasn't reading avengers and fantastic four at the time i mean like i i had an easier time finding like maximum clonage alpha with the hollow full cover than these issues (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's funny all right well i i guess it sounds it kind of sounds like we're kind of wrapping up for for Heroes Reborn, The Return. So I guess if you guys enjoy listening to Justice, not entirely dissimilar to Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast, we encourage you, we demand you check out all the other episodes over on fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. If you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can email us at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. We're on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, retweets that we receive. And we can be streamed on Stitcher Radio. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, bouncing my little blue ball, signing off. It's Mike, and no, you cannot have four Freedoms Plaza back. I already put my symbol on it. This is Justin. Looks like Doctor Doom is blasting off again. This is Tony. I, I don't. I'm not on a lot of these Thunderbolt shows, but look forward to my new solo project about the new Warriors, chronologically called Justice, not too dissimilar to Puberty, coming soon. Thunder, feel the thunder.
for that joke. <laughs> The, the joke will be on you when you have to cover uh, Snowflake and whatever the fuck that other thing's <laughs> name is. Safe Space. Safe, Safe Space. space Snowflake. Or... So are you, I, I wasn't sure until you switched out the headset. Did you hear me like, Tony, are you, are you joining us tonight? Or are you just here to, to BS or what's going on? Uh, well, all I know is, like, you can't make me do it, and you can't have my blue ball, and I hate you. That's pretty much the, yeah, you, you basically, I don't even have to synopsize the story now, so. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm gonna put a music track under that, and then we're gonna start talking about it, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I read this, as if you call it that. Awesome, awesome. All right. All right. Yeah, that's cool. a close, close enough. It's like a... When I re reread it today, it was the first time like since it came out. I think so. It's like I was like, "Wow, this is '90s as fuck." <laughs> One of my only thoughts was like, "Man, they made fun of like fucking Superman's mullet. Look at poor fucking Hulk." <laughs> well, Am I crazy? Of... Like, yeah. did did Jeff Loeb eventually retcon it that? Heroes Were Born Hawkeye was Wolverine. That is true. Okay, I thought that was some, like, fucking fever dream I had. <laughs> like, I was like, no, nah, that couldn't have been true, right? Because, like, I was looking at his mask in this, like, series, and I'm like, yeah, he does look like Wolverine. I was like, why was he Wolverine? And then I, like, I kind of remembered, like... I don't know if it was low, but didn't someone, like, make Swordsman into Deadpool or something? Yeah, it's, it's some stupid shit like that, yeah. And I was like, I wasn't offended because I was like, well, it's Heroes Were Born Swordsman. He sucks, so I don't how, care. How does that work? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. But, like, that's such a typical, like, lobe idea. It's like, his mask looks like Wolverine, so he should be Wolverine. He's a secret brother. <laughs> Wolverine's bandana must have uh, coughed on Hawkeye before he went through the onslaught. Franklin Portal, and no, I can't do it. Can't do it. Can't can't make it make sense. Does that mean Luke Cage is Bishop? Uh, yep. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a great joke. Like someone's like, "Thank you, Bishop," and Luke Cage is like, "Motherfucker!" in the background. <laughs> well, you know they did. Um, they did that. What was it called? Unslaughter Unleashed miniseries, like ten years ago. And then 
Um, Robinson's Fantastic Four run, he had a lot of these Heroes Reborn guys show up. And I was like, well, wait, they can't be Heroes Reborn guys because those guys were all, also the, the real guys. So I don't I don't understand what's going how, on. How that works. I, yeah, yeah, I don't know how they ever explain that. Like, Franklin made them real, I guess, once they... Because, I mean, Counter-Earth does, like, go on, like, after yeah, this, yeah, so... Yeah. But, and then so know. Bucky, you know, the Heroes Reborn Bucky showed up in the, some other minis and other, like, what, the Young Allies thing for a yeah, while? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And didn't she become Onslaught or something in that one <sighs> crappy miniseries? I like, think. Oh. And then she died to save yeah. everyone? Yeah. yeah, it was like Secret Avengers Young Allies crossover miniseries, and, like, yep. Ricky Barnes became Onslaught in it, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Sounds about right. I don't know, yeah. but it just... You know, I mean... Yeah. What, okay, why don't we start recording this right. since we're talking about it already. Uh, you can, Derek, are you editing this one or am I editing uh, this one? I'll, I'll take care of it. I mean, I, okay. I, I got yeah. it. I mean, it's fine. 